We are back. Uh, let us now, without further ado, talk to one of our um, one of our core staff members here at this station, KDVS's own sports director, Angela DePrado. Angela, welcome to Radio Parallax. Well, thanks for having me. Now you were down there at the at the at Stanford Stadium, I presume. You know, actually, I was not. Okay. Um, one engineering the game. Okay. Uh, but my two broadcasters were there. All right, so you were you were you were laboring in in the KDVS studios to to make the connection for people all across the country. That is correct. And I, you got some feedback. I noticed people were, said they heard the game in Washington. They heard it all over the place, and they they, they were thanking KDVS. Yes, um, I think the broadcasters did an excellent job, and that was um, Andrew Tomsky and Josh Kane, and they really I thought brought the whole game to life, and it was an exciting game. I mean, I think it was probably the most exciting game we've ever broadcast on KDVS, just in the sense that. It was a Division One single, and had the brand name of Stanford, and yet UC Davis was able to come from behind and come with the victory. Well, um, I, I was there. As soon as we get off, I'll, I'll, I think I'll expand a little bit on what 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 my impressions of it were. But it was a very good football game, very exciting. And and for me, the best part was it didn't really matter whether you won or lost. It was how you played the game, and the fact that they won was just you know frosting on the cake. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what the coaching staff came into the game thinking as well. I, I spoke to Coach Biggs the day before the game. He was kind of saying that, you know, he really wasn't expecting the victory per se because, you know, Stanford has, you know, twice as many scholarships that UC Davis gets. And, you know, UC Davis is still going to that transition to Division One AA, not right. even single A. Right. So he wasn't really quite expecting the victory. He said if we win by 10, that'd be great. But we're more going for – he told the players basically the day before – you know, go out there and play like you imagine playing. You know, you always imagine playing at this vicinity. Now play like you don't have any regrets. Play like you want to play. And I thought that was pretty inspirational, just in the sense like he didn't expect a victory, but he expected um, a great ball game. Well, for me, that the comparisons to the Rocky movie are apt because you know it didn't really matter whether the the poor guy could win the fight, but he was going to give it his best shot. And in the best Rocky-like tradition, tradition, I think that's what happened here on uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. You know, like the movie Rocky won. Rocky wasn't supposed to win the fight. He was supposed to be a, just an underdog getting an opportunity to go in the ring against Apollo, who was a great fighter. And Rocky came up, you know, he was a little short of the victory, but everyone, they gained, he gained so much respect. And I think that's what UC Davis did in this game. They gained a lot of respect. I was a little disappointed, however, uh, with the press coverage, not the local, but the national. It didn't seem like ESPN really expanded too much on the victory as far as a lot of local people were expecting. Well, it certainly was the negative spin, like, you know, Stanford drops game to a Division One AA team was kind of some of some of the national coverage. I was hoping for them to expand, maybe talk about Davis on the rise more than, you know, Stanford's going on the downslope. Well, right, but, you know, I guess, I guess in the end it was it, it evens out. Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, like you said, UC Davis gets the name out there, and that's all that really counts. I mean, especially during this transitional period when there's not a playoff action going off in the, um, after the season's done. Right. You've got quite a few games. You're going to be broadcasting football, basketball, baseball, all kinds of stuff here in KDVS. Yeah, actually, um, we're not going to be broadcasting, excuse me, um, the men's basketball game um, this year, but we will be the um, sole station for women's basketball. We also will be broadcasting, um, I believe, 10 softball games and 10 baseball games, which will be very exciting. We did some broadcasting for baseball games last year, and 
that was always fun, especially when um, your home team plays against the defending Division One national champions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess if people want to go to our website, you, the, I imagine we'll have the schedule up by then and where we can people can hear those broadcasts. Yeah, that's correct. Right now, uh, the schedule is not up for uh, baseball and softball just due to the fact that they haven't really uh, ironed out the final details for their schedule. Dude, that's why we really don't have the final schedule yet. But um, the women's basketball, I believe that's been finalized, and they can go to um, our website or they can go to www.cdavisaggies.com, and they'll have you can just click on women's basketball and the schedule, not KDVS schedule as well. All right, either that or KDVS.org. Correct. And Angela, just in closing, you also have a show here on, on KDVS. Why don't you plug that too? Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> we have our show, Aggie Talk, which is, I believe, on Tuesdays from 7 to 8. The schedule hasn't changed. I haven't okay. checked that out lately. But um, we basically talk to um, UC Davis athletes and coaches, and it's the opportunity for the community students to call in, ask um, players, and uh, coaches' questions, and also find out some information they might have not known about UC Davis sports because we have a lot of inside information and a lot of you know cool interviews that we get um, prior to Aggie Talk that we play on the air. All right, we'll look for that also on on our KDVS.org schedule. Aggie Talk, yes, hosted by uh, our guest Angela DePrado. Thank you for speaking with us, Angela. And Craig, it's also Craig. Craig, oh. he put he plugs in the whole comedian routine for us, so to keep okay. the show very fun. All right, well, I don't want I don't want to slight Craig, so I'm glad you okay. mentioned him. <laughs> All Great. right, thanks, Angela. Thank you very much for having me on. I I was there down in Stanford, and it was very you know, the Stanford campus is a very beautiful setting for a university. There's no two ways about it. And um, I grew up on the East Bay, just across uh, San Francisco Bay from Palo Alto. So I would watch uh, in afternoons as uh, as the uh, the clouds, the uh, the fog would roll in, sometimes coming in over the peninsula and and down into you know, descending down into the valley. Beautiful setting. You could see Hoover Tower if you climbed up, um, uh, you know, any any large structure from from where I where I hung out. Stanford is considered by many to be the, sort of the Ivy League equivalent out here on the West Coast. Um, but to, to Stanford's credit, it has been uh, the observation of this correspondent uh, that when you meet people that attended uh, you know, school on uh, the farm, uh, it's not something that comes up in the first you know, paragraph of conversation that you have with them, unlike any people, anyone that went to Yale or Harvard, where, by God, you're going to be informed of where they went to school very early on. So uh, we won't hold it against Stanford that they gave us both William Rehnquist and, and, and Condoleezza Rice. I, I don't hold Herbert Hoover against him either. Hoover, uh, Hoover was pretty much, uh, you know, wrongly blamed for the Great Depression. He actually did some really good work uh, in the 1920s before he was president, and I think was mainly a victim of circumstance. But anyway, uh, beautiful setting. There's a, many tailgate parties going on. We showed up in the beautiful Eucalyptus Grove right next to Stanford Stadium. The stadium itself is quite a stunningly beautiful place for a football game. Uh, gigantic capacity, of course. They've had a Super Bowl there. They've had a World Championship of Soccer, I believe, at Stanford Stadium. A lot of blue jerseys in the three sections that were set aside for uh, Davis Rooters. Uh, reportedly, there were. Uh, this was the most witnessed game of any UC Davis game in its 813-game history, stretching back over the decades. 
The Aggies, of course, had lost uh, two games going into this. They were 0-2, whereas Stanford had knocked off Navy and looked pretty respectable. Nobody expected a Division uh, 1A team in its second year of transition from Division 2 to Division 1 to go in and beat a Pac-10 team. You know, I don't think any of us going in there expected a victory. We're just hoping to see a good game. Uh, my dad and I uh, agreed that if it was 42-7 to 7 at, at halftime, we weren't going to stick around for the third and fourth quarters. It should be noted, of course, this is a very big deal for UC Davis. It wasn't such a big deal for Stanford. Really, Stanford was supposed to be a tune-up game. Uh, they took, I think, the Aggies rather lightly. Um, you know, w- watching the players before the game, it was pretty clear Stanford was bigger. They looked like they were faster. And by all accounts, um, you know, with all the scholarships available, they were surely uh, a more talented team on paper. But I was really quite satisfied when, with a couple minutes to go in the game, uh, you know, it was a 17-14 to 14 game. Davis had played well. Uh, there was the chance that if they drove down the field to score that uh, they would win. But uh, I was satisfied that, you know, they'd already done well enough. It was kind of like, you know, if Rocky didn't win <laughs> in, in uh, ultimately, uh, you know, he'd still prove that, you know, he, he deserved to be in the ring. And that was good enough. But, uh, you know, in a move reminiscent of the famous uh, The Catch game, uh, San Francisco versus Dallas back in 1982, when the Niners drove down the field to, to put away the Dallas Cowboys and go to their first Super Bowl, Davis hung in there and indeed drove down the field and scored with eight seconds to go to go ahead. And, uh, of course, they had to stave off a Hail Mary pass by Stanford on the last play of the game. But, you know, they won. Uh, after which, of course, the stands were just jubilant. It was it was marvelous to see, and the, the Davis uh, players ran over, uh, took their helmets off, and more or less, uh, you know, expressed thank you. It was just, you know, uh, it was a very good atmosphere, uh, at least for the blue and gold. St- Stanford looked very glum, uh, and I'm sure, you know, had a bad week of practice this week. For, uh, for Davis's part, the Causeway Classic, the annual battle between the two local teams, UC Davis and Cal State University Sacramento, will take place on Saturday. And we would refer you to, uh, to Angela and the KDVS website for um, coverage on that. All right, uh, every public affairs show, in our opinion, should have a sports correspondent, and, and, and luckily, we do. Returning to, to uh, perform his duties in that capacity is Mr. Sean Minton. Welcome back, Sean. Doug, I'm, I'm having kind of a hard time hearing you. I, I don't know if you can hear the noise in the background. I'm in Palo Alto right now. <laughs> I have four years of sports academic eligibility left. I'm actually applying for the starting quarterback position for Stanford. I'm very excited about it. Now, now... I don't think we should poke fun at the good at, at at the Stanford Cardinal. I think that uh, you know, I, I, they played a good game. Well, maybe not. They didn't play the game they could have played. Let's put it that way, because it, we expected it to be like a forty-two to nothing blowout. Many of us in the stands. Well, the other the other amazing thing about Stanford, Palo Alto, by the way, is beautiful. It's I didn't realize how easy it is to get into the school. You only need like a like a 2.1 to get in, so I mean, I'm set. Mm-hmm. Provided your dad's a CEO of a major corporation. But I mean, on the game itself, I'll tell you a couple of things about that. First of all, yeah, it, it is an upset. It's not an upset of 
historic proportions. Um, I went to a Pac-10 college, and, and um, traditionally Washington State, the school that I went to, would play these one double-A teams, and obviously they are meant to be a tune-up for the regular Pac-10 season. But right. there was occasion when my school lost to some of these one double-A schools, and um, it happens more than you might think. So even though Stanford should have won that game, if you look at it statistically, Doug, which I did, um, when you look at passing yards and rushing yards and, and some of the statistics that generally dictate a game, um, UC Davis really was ahead uh, statistically the entire time. Now, granted, they waited until the last eight seconds of the game to win it, but they you know, they really dominated that game in the second half and, and really should have won it. I mean, it was exciting how they won it, but really, if you're a statistical nut, it shouldn't have surprised you that they did. Well, yes, we were watching the scoreboard, and all along, yeah, the, the Aggies did hold a statistical edge from from the from really the beginning of the game on. It's fascinating to take a look. It's been this, they're calling this the biggest victory in in the history of of UC Davis football, which which encompasses, I guess, eight hundred and thirteen games by this point. Um, it is curious to note that the last time these two teams played, Herbert Hoover was in the White House in <laughs> in nineteen thirty two. The Aggies lost fifty nine to nothing. And Stanford coach Pop Warner took the Aggies so lightly that he was off scouting the Cal game. <laughs> he wasn't even in attendance on the sidelines. Incidentally, Stanford is calling this their most embarrassing loss ever. So you can see how both sides, how both schools decide to dictate how the news comes out. That's one of the fascinating aspects of this, that uh, they say Stanford had never lost to a one, uh, one AA team. This is the, the first time. And that, uh, and that, yeah, I mean, that Davis had never beaten anyone, I guess, from the Pac-10. Well, Doug, I mean, consider it this way. As a broadcaster, let's say there was a, a talk show host competition, and you had to go on and, 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 and put together your best stuff. Suppose that your opponent in this was uh, a, a 12-year-old that spoke a foreign language. I mean, seriously, would you really be threatened by somebody like that? I, I, I really think that's the way that Stanford looked at this game. I mean, I wasn't there for their practices and their preparation, but I could imagine they weren't super intense practices. I can imagine that they were taking the Aggies very lightly, and uh, you know, they got off to the big lead early in the game, so they probably thought they could just set it on cruise control and win. So. Like I say, it's, it's not as uncommon as people think. Obviously, around here, it's a huge deal. And it is, it, is a, it is a huge upset, but is it along the lines of something like Hoosiers or something like that? I, I, I Really, quite frankly, I don't think so. Well, there's a lot of things we could say about this game. It was just very curious, from, from my perspective, going to Stanford. Pretty, pretty campus, no question about it. It's quite stunning having these tailgaters out there in the eucalyptus uh, forest near the stadium. Uh, quite a beautiful, large elegant uh, venue to play in, certainly a far cry from Davis's rather modest Toomey Field. And, and, and in there, there was a sort of sense of like, well, this is, this, isn't this something? We're kind of like, it was kind of like the country mouse visiting the city mouse in a bit, you know? <laughs> That's actually a very good analogy. <laughs> but by God, uh, our section, there were three sections that kept filling up with blue and blue and blue. And these, that... The Aggie rooting section was absolutely packed. There was 31,000 people, apparently set the all-time record for anyone's ever seeing an Aggie game. 8,000 were, um, were, 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 were Aggie fans. And I don't think they really came down from, the, from uh, Sacramento so much as a lot of people from the Bay Area, I think, just showed up, had, had daughters, sons, were alumni themselves. So it was really interesting in a lot of perspectives. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, and you know, from from what I understand, you know, I don't I don't follow UC Davis football that closely. I've, I've got my own problems with my alma mater, but uh, I thought they were, I believe, zero and two coming. But you know, both of those games were pretty close games. It's not like they're you know the worst Division One AA team out there. And Stanford, you know, the way their football program works is about every four years, as the freshmen that they recruit become seniors. They have a good team, but but those transitional years in between, they're generally they're not a very good football team. And they they go after a different type of athlete than than most colleges out there. They you know they're they have very stringent requirements in terms of getting in, and anybody that can play a sport and also get in through their tough admission standards. I mean that that truly is the definition of a student athlete versus say going to Miami, where you know if you can run a four three forty and you can breathe out two lungs, you can basically get into that school. Well, let's talk a bit about that. You were a longtime sports broadcaster in the Pacific Northwest. You've had a chance to cover uh, uh, big-time sporting events, big-time college football. One of the fears a lot of people had, or at least people like myself had, not to speak for others, was that with Davis moving up to Division One, it would enter this whole sordid, scandalous world uh, that is really Division One football in America, that that, as you say, some people that have no business pretending to be college students uh, get in because they're great athletes, and uh, doesn't that uh, doesn't that just de- denigrate the whole process? And Stanford, yes, to their credit, apparently does maintain high academic standards for their athletes, which which I hope Davis continues to do too. Doug, the solution is extremely simple, and that is uh, pay the players. Don't pretend that they're student athletes. Let them just be athletes, and at some point, once they're football career, basketball career, baseball career is over after they've played out their their eligibility, let them go back to school and become students if they want. But this whole notion of the student-athlete is is pretty ridiculous in most situations. When I went to school, you know, I had classes with, with, with athletes, and they might show up the first day and the last day, and that was it. And a lot of people have a problem with, with paying these guys. But when you think about where the revenue comes within an athletic department to support non-revenue sports, it comes from football, it comes from basketball, it comes from baseball. So why not quit pretending that these guys are student-athletes, give them a siphon, let them, let them kind of concentrate on why they're there, pay them, and then after that, if they want to go to school, fine. If they want to go out and become gas station attendants, that's fine, too. But, but you know, let, let's, let's kind of get past this student-athlete thing, because I think we both know that in a lot of cases, in the case of a, a Miami or a Florida State, some of those schools, especially down in the Southeastern Conference, they're not student-athletes. They're, they're athletes slash... Uh, is there a class at 1230 that I might be able to attend for 45 minutes? Right, right. Well, uh, you know, it, it certainly can be a um, an incentive. I guess Davis is going to take away $200,000 for this appearance down in Stanford. Uh, you know, a lot of money being generated. But having attended some Pac-10 games previously, when I was in medical school, my girlfriend uh, was a big, big SC fan. Whole family was very huge. And I... <laughs> It just left this lasting bad taste in my mouth to watch how insane these people were about winning at all costs. I find the whole thing to be disgusting. Foot football factories. Yeah, I mean, you probably know that in in most of the division division one schools, the football coach is usually the highest paid member of the staff. I mean, they make more than the president, more True. than the chancellor. Right. I mean, those guys are really right. Uh, you know, considered considered gods on a lot of those campuses. So, I mean, it, it shouldn't come as any surprise that. Um, you know that they get they get 
in terms of salary, they, they make more than anybody else over there. But in terms of revenue, you got to remember, these guys are generating revenue for the school as well. So, I, again, I don't – you know, if a football coach makes a, a $250,000 and a president or a chancellor, you know, makes one twenty one fifty, again, I, I don't really have a big problem with that. And I may be in the minority, but, you know, that's kind of the way the world works, and we can live in this fantasy, you know, unless some major changes are made within the NCAA – that's the way it is, and, and, you know, I don't have a problem with that. Well, uh, the problem I have, uh, I think mostly with all of this, is that these polls that are held every week, people vote on it, and it causes people like USC, which they did this last weekend, to run up the score like 70 points plus, simply because, you know, it might affect the coach a little bit to give you a little more of an edge and raise your standing. And what uh, the great thing about this game was that on that last drive, you knew that even if Davis came up short, it was just like a Rocky Balboa moment. I mean, like, they played hard. They played well. It was a good game. It didn't really matter whether you win or lose. In fact, they won, which made it even nicer, but they didn't have to. And that's the part of, like, whatever happened to the, you know, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. Well, I think what happened with that is as soon as they started charging admission into these football and basketball games, that was completely thrown out the window. And, again, you know, people who, who want to go back to the innocence of Newt Rockney and, you know, go back to the days of the Gipper, they can certainly do that, but that's not the way that things are run these days. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, I, when I was covering sports uh, uh, up in the Pacific Northwest, I, I covered the Washington Huskies during their heyday when they were consistently fighting for national championships. Right. And you cannot believe the facilities that these people have, the weight rooms, the, the training facilities, the way they get to eat, the way they're treated on campus. And you know, I mean, it's just, it's uh, the, the days of the innocence are, are completely gone. And, and quite frankly, with the millions and millions and millions of dollars at stake, I don't see, you know, any of these big sports colleges, I don't see them, you know, putting out the, the olive leaf and saying, hey, you know, wait, maybe we should go back to the days of old. There's just too much money at stake now. And real quick to answer your questions about the polls, there is a new poll this year where their point spread is not taken into effect as much as it has been in previous year for the mm-hmm. exact reason that you mentioned that some of these big schools will go out and pound people by 60 or 70 points. So the thing with uh, with the SC game against Arkansas, Arkansas, you know, traditionally in the Southwest Conference, uh, which is now the Big 12, they used to be a pretty decent football team. Now, if you've got your third stringers in there and they're still scoring touchdowns, there's really, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to tell the guy to fall down a yard before he gets into the end zone? There is just something disgusting about running up scores like that. I mean, it's like that just, it's, you've beaten the people, you know, you've got them beaten. Do you have to, like, humiliate them for your own, you know, sordid interests? i got to be honest with you. I don't think for the most part that's what coaches are thinking because what comes around goes around. I mean, people have to remember, even though for the last three or four years, you know, USC has been dominant in the Pac-10 and, and in terms of the national championship, um, they were very dominant in the late 70s. But back in the 80s and part of the 90s, you know, they were not as strong as they are now. And, and, and if you believe in karma, then if you go out there and run the score up on somebody, they're going to come back, and that's going to come back to haunt you. And, and, and these days, again, with the way the polls are tilted a little less away yeah. from point spreads, you're right. I mean, it, it looks bad for them to run up 70 points against somebody. I didn't see the game. I only saw the statistics in the paper. But I don't know if it was a running up as much as, you know, you got your second and third stringers in there in the second half, and you got to let them play. Well, Vince Lombardi is often quoted as that, that famous quote, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. But my, <laughs> my understanding is later in life he really regretted that and saying like, well, you know, I meant, I meant, I like the, the force of that statement, but I didn't mean to take it to the nth degree was, you know, to paraphrase him. He was saying he was, he was sorry for that being quoted so widely. 
Well, I can even go you one better than that. One of my favorite basketball players of all time, Larry Bird, had a quote once that said, show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. Right. I mean, you can right. take that as far as you want to take it. I think the Europeans look over at how we do sports in this country, at our universities, how important they are, and they just think we've lost our marbles. Well, I mean, if you look at a European soccer match, uh, you know, I think they've lost their marbles. <laughs> well, touche. I have to agree with you on that. Well, Sean, uh, it's always a pleasure. Any final pearls you want to share with us as, as our sports correspondent about this whole phenomenon of college football? Um, first of all, I'm excited about my opportunity here at Stanford now. I think I can probably gain that starting quarterback slot here in about three weeks once I learn the offense. So hopefully uh, they don't go down to a 1AA team again. But, you know, this is a debate, Doug, that will go on and on and on. And, and people just need to realize that college sports is a business and it's run like a business, and those people can sometimes literally run a university. Sometimes they'll run off a university president or chancellor right. before they'll run off a football coach in the face of a scandal. That's just how important this has become to some of these big universities. Well, I, I, as much as I enjoyed uh, you know, Davis's trip to Stanford and you know, the, this sort of bowl game-like atmosphere and their victory, I just say that I hope that never comes to UCD. And I don't think it will. And I don't. I really, Doug. I don't. I don't mean to downplay the win because it, it's spectacular. And, and you're right. They're going to be talking about it for years and years and years and years and years. And I, I congratulate them as well. It's great. It sounds like it was an exciting game. And um, you know, don't get too used to beating the uh, um, you know foes that are oh, in the back no. ten. But, no. but when it comes around, you got to really relish it. Yeah, good. A good moment. Sean, thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Doug. Okay. Listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Stay tuned. We're still hoping we might hear from Chancellor Larry Vanderhoff.